Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International, and welcome to another episode of The International Investor. Today's episode, I kind of touched up a little bit about it on my new podcast called The International Realtor, when I talk about a new trend that I'm foreseeing. And that trend is real estate investors will be trending towards properties in Asia, uh, but more so places like here in Thailand than Western countries. So what I'm gonna talk about is, I'm gonna talk about some facts, I'm gonna talk about what's happening out there in Western countries and why people are gonna be trending towards places like here in Thailand. So as real estate investors uh, throughout the world, most real estate investors like to invest in Western countries like the United States. Latins do, Europeans do, Asians do. People from all over the world want to buy property in America. Why? <coughs> because the United States is considered the most powerful country in the world. It, it has the largest economy in the world, which soon to be China will, will surpass that. In some cases, people have already said that the Chinese economy has already passed the U.S. economy. But the thing is that the United States is considered to be a rich country full of people that have money and there's lots of opportunity but obviously, the, during this pandemic, we have seen the total collapse of this fictional world of America. What I mean by that is we have seen the food lines, we have seen the poverty in America, and we have seen with our own eyes that Americans are literally one paycheck away from being homeless, which is a complete, uttermost shock to the rest of the world, especially developing countries in Latin America and Asia. When I talk to people from different countries in Latin America and here in Asia, they are shocked. They're like, Will, is this really happening in America? We thought Americans were rich. How was this possible? I, remember I was speaking to one friend uh, here in Thailand I said, well, we're watching the news and we see uh, these people pull up in a freaking Mercedes, which in Thailand, it's a $30,000 Mercedes or $40,000 Mercedes in the United States, which in Thailand will cost over $100,000, pulling up to a food line. And I said, yes, it's true. It is unfortunate. And they said, why? I said, it's the culture. So back in the days, uh, the, when you look at the baby brewer age, Baby boomers were taught to save money. Save, be loyal to your company. They, they work for the same company for their lifetime. They save. They didn't buy a bunch of stupid stuff online. Uh, they were more thrifty. When you look at the new age of Americans, it's all about, oh, when you turn 18, the first thing you got to do is get a credit card. Max it out, pay it down, max it out, pay it down so you can build your credit so you can buy more meaningless crap. And that's just not the American economy. That's all Western economies. That's the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, Canadians. A lot of countries have this problem. Yes, Asia has credit cards, but I'm going to get to that in just a second. But culturally, it is completely different. So the reason why I see this trend 
is I am seeing, and you as an investor probably see the same exact thing. You probably have anywhere from five, 10, even 100 units, residential units that you have for rent. And on the flip side, some of you commercial investors may have strip malls and office buildings for rent. But during this pandemic, you've seen a sudden change in your revenues over the last six to nine months. On a residential side, because it's a moratorium, people aren't paying you your monthly rent because they know that the government is saving them. And you can't evict them. But the government has said is that even though with this moratorium, your tenants are still going to be responsible in paying you back the back rent. But let's be serious, folks. I'm an investor myself, and I'm in sales. I've been in sales for over two decades, and I teach sales. So I understand human behavior. So let's really, really think about this. Do you actually really think that these individuals that are behind one month, three months, six months, nine months in rent, do you really think they're going to pay you back? No, they're not. First of all, they don't have the money because it's not just that they're behind on their rent, they're behind on their car payments, they're behind on their student loan payments, they're behind on their credit card payments. When I had another friend uh, in Europe contact me and said, I can't believe I just saw the news and I saw Americans uh, don't even have enough money to buy food. I said, it's true. Americans, they don't live paycheck to paycheck. They live on a negative. So they go from paycheck to paycheck, but each paycheck, they're going further into debt because they can never catch up. It's like a horrible ending cycle. Never ending cycle, should I say. So as a real estate investor, the government has given your tenants an excuse to not to pay you rent. So when this moratorium, and this moratorium, as we know, is in the United States is getting extended. They're trying to extend it till the end of first quarter. So now you're going to go through almost a year for some of you of your tenants not paying you back prior rent. Then on the flip side, the government is saying, well, we're telling the mortgage companies, if you are landlords and investors that own all these properties, to also give you some sort of leeway so you don't have to make your mortgage payments because your tenants aren't making payments. But the crazy thing is, is that it's complete catch-22, and it's not in your favor as the investor, as the landlord, because the bank has the deed to your property, is the legal owner of your property, and you have this note on it. So even though your tenant has not paid you rent for the last six to nine months, they can get away from a scot-free. You can try to take them to small claims court, but you're not going to get any money from them because they have no money. But on your side, you're completely screwed because the bank holds the deed to your property. So fast forward to now, fast forward to next year, you haven't made your mortgage payment in maybe two to three months or six months or nine months. 
but you still are obligated to pay that back or your home is going to go into eviction. Or should I say, go into foreclosure. Then they said, oh, this PPP loan is going to also bail out landlords, which it didn't, which obviously it didn't. So it's a complete failure in the system, complete failure in the system. And that's just on a residential side. And, and let me add more hurt and pain to this, is that I read these horrible articles. I, was, I had no idea how many properties some of these Airbnb super hosts own. So here, you may be one of them listening to this right now. If you're not aware of Superhost, Superhost are individuals and groups that basically make a living on Airbnb and they have a ton of property. And so many Superhosts, I'm not talking about just five to 10 properties. I'm talking like 50 to 100 properties. I remember reading this article of a woman and she started doing very well with Airbnb. She accrued 20 some properties and she said, I am gonna lose everything. Because every single one of my property, I have a mortgage. And now that people aren't traveling, I'm going to lose everything. I mean, it's so sad. I, I, I remember reading another article uh, earlier this year, a couple of months ago, of a small business that owned 100 units that were Airbnb properties. And they're going to fold they can't make any payments. Devastating. Devastating to say the least. Now, on a commercial end, how many of you actually own uh, business units, office units? So obviously because of this pandemic, people are forced to work at home. So, and again, let's be serious. Let's really think about behavior and costs. Now that business owners are seeing that technology has been here and they're working efficiently from home and their customers have no problem with it, their clients are certainly fine with doing this, they don't need an office space, do you actually think that these businesses are going to come back to lease your units? They're not. I forgot which billionaire real estate investor said that he doesn't believe that in New York, he thinks that less than 30% will actually come back. He said that there's going to be a lot of empty offices, a lot of empty offices. And I also see the same exact thing. So when we always believed in the past that investments were a fantastic and a very sound piece of investment, this pandemic has shown that it's not, at least not in the United States and not in England. But in Asia, it's different. And I'll get to that in just a second as I talk about more pain. The other thing too, about US real estate is if you want to jump into the game, and I made the same example not too long ago. Let's say that uh, you wanna start investing in real estate, you wanna have investment in real estate. Whether you're in the United States, in Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, wherever it may be, the average decent property as your first income real estate property is roughly gonna be about $300,000 whether it's in pounds, uh, 
Aussie dollars, Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars. It's, a, it's roughly about $300,000. And most people don't have $300,000 in cash to pay for it because the culture in Western countries is to accrue debt, to quote-unquote use other people's money, which I think is a complete failure and I don't believe in that because using other people's money, yes, it's good for the rich people like Donald Trump, a lot of people of influence that have used their influence to borrow lots of money to get himself out of bankruptcy, but you're not one of those people. You're just a regular schmo like me. Using other people gets you into trouble. So what that means is if you want to buy an investment property, uh, the programs now won't let you get 100%. Uh, won't let you, you know, get a loan 100%. So you're looking at maybe 90% LTV, 80% LTV. So let's say you're putting 20% down. 20%. That's roughly about $30,000 here to put down on an investment piece of property. Where most savvy real estate investors say that you should put at a minimum of 20% down, but you should be at 50% LTV if you have to get a loan. Where for me, you should be buying it free and clear. But the problem is, is that U.S. real estate, England real estate, Australian real estate is expensive to jump into that, to that type of investment. Well, when you look at Asia, it's completely different. That's why I am so glad, and that's why my clients are so glad that we don't have, well, I certainly don't, my family doesn't, and my investor is slowly making a change. We sold out all of our U.S. properties earlier this year and last year. We don't own anything other than uh, uh, two pieces of real estate, which is our personal residence. That's it. 100% of our investment real estate is here in Asia. Majority of it is here in Thailand, in Bangkok. Because how do things differ? Culturally, Asians are different. It's pay cash, pay cash, pay cash, don't accrue debt, don't accrue debt, don't accrue debt. That is still ingrained today. Do not accrue debt. And if you accrue debt, the only debt you should have is your housing debt. And if you have housing debt, you better work your freaking butt off and you better pay that thing off as fast as you can like your life dependent on it. Having a 30-year loan is ridiculous. 20-year loan, ridiculous. You pay that sucker off. You spend every single amount of your savings. You pay it off because that is the Asian culture. Buy a car, you better pay it free and clear. Yes, of course, there are consumers that have mortgage loans and car payments. But it's not as high as Western countries like the United States, where don't pay anything cash, charge it, put it on credit. And again, that's why you're seeing the crumble of U.S. personal finance. People have no money because they're up to eyeballs in debt and they can't retire because of these problems. That's why Americans are poor, where Asians are not. So here in in Thailand, there is no moratorium. And as a real estate investor, I can get into a real estate property as low as $50,000. That's affordable. And I'm not going to have any mortgage payment. And a great thing too, like I say so many times, 
is that the tenants that you have like here in Bangkok are so different. It's not uncommon to have a tenant to pay you three months, six months, nine months, 12 months in advance. And also they take care of your property better. When I had tenants in America, they destroyed my property. How many of you have had bad tenants? I've had my share of them. I've had so many. I've had sleaze bags where I thought they were good and then, and then I let them stay hoping that they're going to pay me back on back rent and then overnight they disappeared. You don't see that kind of stuff here in Asia. And especially with rents being so low. So for an example, like a million dollars. A million dollars in these Western countries will buy you three good properties. A million dollars here in Bangkok, they'll buy you 10. Can even buy you 20 pieces of properties. Between 10 to 20 properties you can buy free and clear. So if you're looking at a typical one bedroom condo or studio, the average rent is depending on how much you pay, it's gonna be anywhere from 150 to $300 a month. That's affordable for everybody. The likelihood of someone not paying you rent is slim to none. And you can boot them out. Unlike America, where they really, it's very hard to evict people. Not here. And here's the other thing too. Even if we had that type of moratorium here in Thailand, it doesn't matter because all of my properties, all of my clients' properties are all pay free and clear. We don't have a mortgage payment. And our association dues, each of our unit averages $300 a year as our association dues, as opposed to $300 a month for some places in Western countries or like the United States. So everything's affordable. So if I had, a, if I had, if we had the same exact problems here in Thailand and I, had, and I had tenants that couldn't pay me rent and it was a moratorium, I couldn't evict them, I'm still okay. I have no mortgage payments, I can still pay the association dues and it's not going to break the bank. That's the difference. That's why I am seeing a future trend of real estate investors throughout the world that are going to change their strategies from leaving and not looking at Western countries like the United States and Canada and the UK and parts of Europe, they're going to start looking at Asia. Because a rise in wealth, that means rise in jobs, more rise in disposable income, higher quality of living, and better pieces of real estate to choose from. And then on the other side, in the commercial real estate, unlike the United States where business casual has been around for almost two decades now, people are dressing down, pretty soon people would be wearing pajamas to work. And, and also traditionally now, people are comfortable with working at home. Here in Asia, one of the great things about Asia, it's still very, very traditional. You still have to wear a suit and you still better get your butt in the office. Working from home, not as common as Western countries, and that's not gonna change anytime soon. So what that means is, is that if you are a commercial investor and you're looking for units, office units to buy and rent out, 
you're always going to have occupancy here in Bangkok or here in Asia, as opposed to like the United States where people aren't coming back to the office. People aren't, people that once had 10,000 square foot offices, if they come back, maybe they're only gonna rent a thousand square foot office because the rest of their employees are working from home and they need to save money. And on the commercial real estate front, when it comes down to hotels, why I see more hotelers trending towards Asia is because the amount of disposable income. Americans are poor. Londoners are poor. Western individuals do not have disposable income because they got crushed during this pandemic. And they're up to their eyeballs in debt. And they're going to continue paying back this debt. And their credit is going to go sideways. And they can't get more credit. But here in Asia, there's lots of wealth. And there's lots of disposable income. I said it before, but were you aware that the largest demographic of travelers in the world are Chinese? And falling right behind that, is going to be other Asian countries. Because a long time ago, Thailand seemed to be so poor. Thailand is not that poor country do you think anymore. Neither is the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, and soon to be Vietnam. These countries have manufactured. These countries are, are the lifeblood, are the factories of the world. Same with the Chinese. They're manufacturing that crap that you're buying on Amazon. And you're buying on eBay. You're buying on Alibaba. Everything in your house you're looking at is made in China, made in Vietnam, made in Thailand, made in India. That's not going to change. So that means that these people, these factories are hiring more people. And these people are having more disposable income. When they have more disposable income, they're going to travel. And also, culturally, things are different. Because the West seems, when you look at media-wise, it seems to have a lot of civil unrest, a lot of racism. Asians are feeling that maybe I don't want to go to America because they don't want me there. The Chinese have already stopped buying in the States. And that trend is going to continue. You may say, oh, good, we don't want foreigners anyway. Who cares about the Chinese? You need to care about that demographic because they have money. So if you're a hoteler and Americans are poor, look, give me an American example. Americans are poor. They don't have any money to travel. They don't have any money to go to Vegas, go to Disneyland, go to SeaWorld, you know, go to Epcot Center. And then foreign tourists aren't coming here. Then your hotel's a flop. Your occupancy is going to be down. Your yield is going to decrease every single quarter, every single year. But in Asia, we're seeing it increase every single year. Because more and more Asian travelers are traveling more within Asia. And then on top of that, because Asia is trending, where people are getting tired of going to Latin America and going to, uh, going to Southern Europe, they are all coming here too. So we have those travelers. 
I'm just giving you a 35,000 feet overview. Google it and look at the numbers. The numbers speak for itself. And you can't turn a blind eye. I'm not being unpatriotic. I'm showing you reality. I'm American. I love the country. I grew up in America. But the bottom line is, is that the reason I'm not there anymore is because there's no more opportunities. People are poor. Why is 51% of luxury goods just shipped just to China? It's not shipped to America. It's not shipped to England. Why is that more and more people are renting? Why is that Americans aren't, can't afford to buy homes? Why is it that many Americans are basically one paycheck away from bankruptcy? Why is the average American so much in debt? Why does the average American foresee that they cannot retire? That they will have to work for the rest of their life? And that's not going to change, folks. doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter. Trump, Biden, doesn't matter. That's not changing. That's not changing. The climate is changing. And we're seeing it before our eyes. You know, there's a fantastic book that I read over a decade ago. And man, this guy had foresight. It's called The Next Hundred Years. It's an old book, but the author predicted that in the next hundred years, he sees a rise in China. And there are so many other authors that have written these books a decade ago saying, watch out for Asia, watch for China. Because it's consumerism. Things can change if Americans stop buying stuff on Amazon. Yeah, then China, China relies on these kind of things. Manufacturing iPhones, manufacturing stupid stuff that you buy on Amazon. They rely on consumerism from the West. But I don't see consumerism in the West decreasing because even when Americans, like we see this last holiday season or this holiday season, even when they don't have money, they're going to max out their credit cards, do whatever they can to buy stuff. They're addicted to stuff. They're going to fill their McMansions that they only, use, they only live in half of the home with stuff. They're not going to have one iPhone. They're going to have three. They're going to have one Apple Watch. They're going to have three. They're not going to have three or four TVs. They're going to have a TV in every single room including the bathrooms. That's not going to change. That's fine because the Asians love it because more consumerism means more manufacturing. More manufacturing means more factories need to come up. It's going to create more millionaires and billionaires. It's going to create more jobs for Asians. It's going to create more wealth. So I'm just summing up, but I really want you to look at the numbers and I really want you to see the foresight that I see. It's not, I'm making this up. I'm not being one-sided. It's just a God-honest truth. I left Latin America because there's zero opportunities there. There's just not enough opportunities. I didn't want to, I tried to look in the States, but for what we do, 
the disparity is getting smaller and smaller when it comes to rich and poor. There's middle classes going away, just rich and poor. And when I see people that are buying, uh, when I see the 1%, I see more and more of the 1% coming into the fold here in Asia than I see in any else part of the world. And when I see these hotels of how much, you know, how many tourists are occupying these hotels. Some of these hotels here in Bangkok are 100% occupied during the high season. I mean, look at Vegas right now. When do you think Vegas is going to be able to bounce back? One of my friends texted me. And he said, oh yeah, the casinos are, are going to close down midweek. And this casino is closing down their buffet. And, and these shows are, are not going to come back online. So what's the point of going to Vegas? And I guess Disney closed and they laid off, what, like 80,000 employees or something like that. The future is grim. But in Asia, the future is bright. We're filled with opportunity. And if you want to make money, if you want to balance your portfolio, I highly suggest and I urge you to start shuffling a few things. Right now, the housing market in some parts of the United States are still doing well because of the lack of inventory. But you know things can change very quickly next year when everything starts catching up. What I mean by that is when the moratorium is over, and landlords can start evicting people. When the landlords can not pay back um, their back mortgage and the foreclosures are coming. When the car companies are having massive repossessions. Credit card companies are suffering and, sh and posting lower revenues because people aren't making their credit card payments. It almost seems like 2008 all over again. But the difference is is that it's affected everything. Small business owners won't reopen their business. Travel industry crushed, literally crushed. So I hope this podcast was enlightening and I really hope, you know, I don't like to, I don't want to rein in some bad news or anything like that, but I like you to think that what I talk about in these podcasts, I'm a realist, giving you really real information. I'm your foot soldier. I'm the guy that goes out there and checks out what's going on. You know, most people, uh, you know, like to be armchair, uh, you know, investors. They like to sit at home. But the difference is, is that I'm out there searching for you guys, walking a walk and actually doing it. And I'm relaying this information to you. So thank you so much for joining me and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.